1: actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary bwl void We're prohibited by
0: law see terms and conditions 18 plus this podcast is brought to you by nobody <laughs> <laughs> yeah hey he one <laughs>
1: <laughs> he did it <laughs> 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 yeah
0: yeah boy <laughs>
1: deep down i knew this was uh this was gonna come so
0: thanks thanks for uh having my back and for anyone who thought i left i never left just moved aside for a while thanks guys it's now time to hand the mic over to a man That man was showing Big Dick Danny Rick where to pick up the best celebrity prostitutes throughout Europe. His name is Mr. David Croft. Take it away, Croft. It's lights out and away we go. Once a week, one man emerges from the pit lane to deliver all the news, discussion and results of Formula One. Well... That time has arrived. Sit back, relax for the Park It in My Ferme show. Here is your host, Caldy. That is what? Right. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, it's your main squeeze, Caldy, aka the Potamus. On the banks of the River Nile, butt naked. wearing some new cool topotomous merch from the store. Link in description. Join the week off. And if you're out and about and you see my fair mate, well why don't you just park it on up in there? Don't be shy. It's a tight fit, but we can make it work as yes, it is the Parking in My Ferbe show, the number one comedy F1 podcast in the world, according to my mum, and she's never wrong. We have all the news, opinions, discussions, previews, reviews, Daniel, Avocado, Schumacher, doco reviews, and more. If it happened in Formula One and I'm not too lazy to talk about it, then, well, uh, I guess I'm going to talk about it. Episode 72 coming right at you fast and loose, but if you're down in the dumps, don't cry. You've got 71 other episodes to enjoy at parkinbyfairway.com, download them right there. Better yet, you feeling Randy? You are feeling a little bit saucy? I know I am. Look down at the smooth lines of that subscribe and follow button on your podcast listing device and gently caress them like they were a long-lost lover. That way you get to hear my sexy, smooth, soothing sounds. Two times a week. There ain't nothing wrong with getting down and dirty with the coldopotamus twice a week. Socials. Hell, <laughs> you can jump on board the social train, my muffins. At Parking in my Fair on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Slide into the DMs like so many of you have done in the past. I genuinely enjoying talking to you guys one-on-one. It gives me the warm and fuzzies on the inside, but what the hell are we going to talk about today? There's no race this weekend. Whoa! No, 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 don't get upset because we have more segments to cover. Yes! Exactly. We are going to break out pros and cons and put the sprint race under the microscope to see whether it is something that should be in Formula 1 or whether it should be... Dumped quicker than an ex-girlfriend. We will review the Shoe Market documentary. Was it as amazing as everyone is saying? Question mark. And, of course... Drivers. Ranking. That's it. Driver Power Rankings is back. Oh, get excited. Where are they going to fall on the list this time? I don't know. Drivers. (laughs) Drivers. Ooh. <laughs> Ranking. Ooh-wee, the edit is smooth. As well as your start of the week and much more, so I think it's time to get started, please. derobe. Let what God gave you hang low. Grab a nice Bordeaux. Something from the top shelf. That's a nice one right there. That's a good year. Something you've been saving for a special occasion because that occasion is right now. Pour it into your chalice. And let the tannins breathe. Mm. Mm. Light some candles, sit back, relax. And enjoy the show. Lance, you just need to press the OK button, OK button. I pressed it. You're pressing the pick confirm button.
1: The pick confirm button is the OK button, Brad.
0: Yeah, Brad. It is the same button, Brad. And now it's time for this. Pros and cons, pros and cons, what does that even stand for? Is it prostitutes and convicts? I don't know, but we go on. Look out, here are the pros and cons. That's right, pros and cons time. I think without Googling, and I never want to actually Google it. Is it propositions and I, I don't know. Prostitutes and convicts sound way better anyway. Okay, so let us dive into it right now. The FIA decided that they want to try and mix things up a little bit. They want to bring in a new audience, the ones that are on the fence, and turn them into the die hard fans. Get the fans that are what I like to call the DTS fans, the drive to survive fans that are newish to the sport, and start turning them into those hardcore fans, the ones that, you know. Start, start downloading the app, start paying for the F1 TV, start looking at the splits, looking at the sector times, all of that sort of jazz. That's what the FIA want. That's what Formula One want. They want those fans. But for those that don't know what the sprint race actually is, don't call it a race by the way. You're <laughs> not allowed to call it a race. F1 decided to trial three sprint races for this season. Essentially, it's a 100km race on a Saturday to determine the grid for Sunday's race. There are some points on offer as well, three points for first, two for second, one for third. We've had two so far, and they've given us some mixed results. Let's take a look at each one. Well, in Silverstone, Alonso had an incredible start to it, but because cars aren't required to pit in a sprint, they just kept out of each other's way and essentially do 18 or so formation laps to get ready for Sunday. That's really what it is. Teams are cautious, as any mishap here can set the team back for the race. They might not be able to repair any damage to the car for Sunday's full-length race, or and it will cost them money. So, back to Silverstone, the British Grand Prix. Alonso had a great start. He moved up the grid. But yeah, then, then nothing happened. But what about Monza, though? What about the Italian Grand Prix? Well... The opening lap saw Hamilton off to a poor start go from second down to a fifth. Pierre Gasly went off the track on the first lap, but then we saw 18 or so boring laps of cars just going around. Little parade laps. But the thing is, both these race weekends were great race weekends. We've had Verstappen and Hamilton collide in both of them. We've had a race win from someone other than Hamilton or Verstappen in Monza. And with qualifying pushed to a Friday night, that FP1 becomes extra important because teams need to get the car right quickly or else it ruins their entire weekend. All of a sudden, every session becomes super important. And we have something of significance on all three days across the race weekend. Well, when I say every session is important, that is apart from FP2, because that is a stupid fucking session. We have already qualified for the sprint, and now we're risking the cars before the sprint race. That's just that's just moronic. If I'm uh, if I'm the owner of Haas, you know, if I'm the owner of one of these teams down the bottom that aren't going to really impact anyway, I'm just giving them a rest, giving them the session off. And I know they're not allowed to do that. I know they actually have to race, but. Anyway, Bottas had a great weekend in Monza, but had to start from the rear of the grid due to taking a power unit upgrade. But the question remains, who was actually on pole for the race? Do you know? Can you definitively sit there right now listening to me and tell me who got pole position? I mean, Bottas qualified fastest. He won the sprint. But Verstappen started on pole. Now when we look at the records of how many overtakes a person has... Do we include the sprint? Monza was a 72 lap race. Do we just add the 18 laps on to that and make it essentially a 90 lap race? Here's what Toto had to say about all this. He said, first of all, everybody's confused. I don't know how it is with you. I don't even know what session it is. When I believe the sprint race format as it stands at the moment doesn't give a lot of benefit because nobody will take a serious risk. There's two little points at stake and the risk is compromising your Sunday Grand Prix. With points all the way back to 10th position, it's just not worth the risk at all on the sprint. So what we've seen is a combination of general difficulties in overtaking because of straight line speed are very, very similar. But also because even turn one and two, nobody wants to take that risk. Despite this, he doesn't hate the idea of the sprint. And then he went on to say this. I think let's give it another try in Brazil. Let's see if anything changes. But that was a worthwhile experiment. And for me, and this is just a personal opinion or the opinion of my engineers here. It's not fish, not meat. I think sprint races were worth a try. I'm not sure if we will keep them. That's what Toto Wolf had to say. So he brings up actually quite a good point there. With there only being three points on offer for first, two for second, one for third, where's the reward? Why am I throwing everything at the sprint if I know that by finishing eighth in the race on Sunday, I get more points than the race winner did in the sprint? I think if it were treated like the old point scoring system, 10 through to one, then all of a sudden drivers and teams are going to go for it and we continue to fight all the way back down the grid. The problem we're going to have here, looking back on it, at the end of the season is we're gonna all say, well, the sprint happened in Silverstone and Monza, and, and looks like probably Brazil. And so far, Silverstone and Monza have been great race weekends. But what actually happened on those race weekends? Was the sprint the reason that the weekends were so great? If he just started the race, would the same things have occurred? Probably. Bottas was always going to have to go to the back of the grid in Monza. So he was always going to overtake all those slower cars at the end. In Silverstone, Alonso would have just passed those drivers on the opening lap of the Grand Prix instead of the sprint. So now let's really look at the pros and the cons. Pros and cons, pros and cons, what does that even stand for? Is it prostitutes and convicts? I don't know, but we go on. Look out, here are the pros and cons. All right, pros and cons time for the sprint race. So let's look at the pros. It's racing every day. We have qualifying on a Friday, we've got a sprint on a Saturday, and we've got a race on the Sunday. As as a Formula One fan. Something that means something every day. I don't need to be eased into my weekend. No. Smack me across the face. Let's get ready. I'm fired up. More points are on offer. That's a pro. All of a sudden, you know, these shorter races, there's some more points. I mean, yes, are those points just going to the people that would have won the race anyway? Most of the time, yes. It does give us the crazy stat that Max Verstappen... Is the only driver in Formula 1 history to score points without racing a single lap of the race. Back in Silverstone, he won the sprint. But crashed down on lap 1 of the actual race. So there you go. That's a little fun fact. What about the cons? I think there are more cons than there are pros. At this stage, teams don't want to risk it. Why? 3 points? I could finish 8th and get 4 points. Why am I I trying really hard now to get 3? Hey... Now, the con, it's relatively boring. You know, other than the first lap theatrics that we get in a race anyway, everyone just settles in. They're like parade laps. 18 of them. No one's overtaken. They're just having fun. Con, FP2 is stupid. With this format, FP2 really doesn't matter. When FP2 was actually, and with FP3 in a normal race weekend, it actually kind of means something. So, FP1 and FP2 are on the Friday. FP1, sort of, you know, everyone's just having a bit of fun getting, getting sorted out there. FP2 is actually the important one. Because that's... Now you're out on the track at the same conditions as what it will be in qualifying. You've really got to now... Put the car in those same... Actually go for some speed laps. Go for some hard laps. Really test that car. Put it under that stress and power. FP2 on a sprint weekend... You've already qualified for the sprint. Now it's just a case of don't crash. We had Carlos Sainz go into a wall. Where Charles Leclerc nearly shit himself. I presume it was shitting himself. Has that actually come out? Has he actually said what the reason was? I need a pit. I need a pit immediately. It was definitely because he shat himself. So. Does fb 2 do, do we need to really change a few things? To make fb 2 mean something? To make the race itself a bit more. You know, I, I like that F1 are trying new things I really do and I think that the sprint race is actually a good idea but there needs to be some tweaks to it to make sure that it's exciting and teams are going to actually take it seriously now I'm not talking about reverse grids I think reverse grid would be hilarious I think maybe there should be you know, a random race each year you just say, look, start of the year oh well, you know, um, Turkey. We race in Turkey, or the Canadian Grand Prix. We're going to do a reverse grid situation. It's going to be a sprint. Sprint points are going to be worth the same as the race points, but the grid will be reversed. I don't know. Or just make sprint points worth more. So teams will try. Look, the fact that they're trying is actually a really good thing, because us diehards, we don't care anyway. We're, we've still got our racing. We're still excited. What they want to do is bring more bums on seats, more eyes to the television set. And the best way to do that is to come up with things like this where people are going to be engaged every single day of the weekend. Look, they were your pros and cons. Pros and cons, pros and cons. What does that even stand for? Is it prostitutes and convicts? I don't know, but we go on. Look out, here are the pros and cons. So, I've been rocking my uh, retro pimp merch for a while. Now, I had to wear a little life jacket when I went to the shops the other day because I was drowning in a sea of women wanting to get up close and personal with the Cordopotamus. So, I decided the merch was too powerful. It was too dangerous. But I was, giving the people what they want. You got to the oh, give the people. ow. Give people what they want. Oh, and I gave them what they want, but... But I'm getting reports from all around the world. The people that bought some of this pimp merch. That it's too... It's having the same effect. It's just too powerful. I ain't going to stop there. I don't want to back down. I plowed on. Because we have some fresh new merch. Oh, they just hit the website. Parkinginbyfermite.com slash merch. Link in the description below. And you know why I'm giving you that fresh merch? You know why I'm giving you that? Because I give the people what they want. And that's what I'm doing. You've got that retro pimp gear. It's still there. But why not rock a little Kultipotamus himself? With the new beanie and t-shirt option in the store. People will stop and stare at just how amazing you look. And you know you're looking good too. Because the Kultipotamus himself isn't just printed onto that shirt and beanie. No, 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 no. You fools. He's embroidered. Hand stitched. Hand stitched, probably by machine. But hand is that what the people say it's still hand stitched? I don't know. Also, you worry about the sizes there. No, no, no. Don't you worry because Cordy has you sorted with the small shirts, the extra small, up to the 5XL for those husky chunky boys and girls. And there ain't nothing wrong with that at all. With the huge variety of colours, it really is. The best place out there to represent the number one comedy F1 podcast going around. You know why I'm giving you all those colours and sizes? You know why? I give the people what they want. Oh, and who doesn't want to look litty, dope, fresh, and all the other cool youth word levels of exciting that they use? I know I do. That's why I head over to parking slash merch. That's parking slash merch. Link in the description. I I do this because I gotta just give the people. I give the people people what they want. want. Yeah yeah. Well, I think I'm becoming a bit of an old grumpy man. Just a bit miserable at times. I'm always complaining about things, saying that they suck. Everyone in the world seems to enjoy these same things, but but I can't enjoy them. But I'm just sitting back here thinking, things can get better. I ain't resting on those laurels. You ain't so good. This sucks. That ain't great. Do better. It's weird because a lot of the time there isn't any real justification for it. It's very much a, it's a hunch, an inkling, a feeling you get deep in your gut. Look, I'm gonna talk about something. There's a few things i want to discuss now. But we've got a Paralympian in Australia, a tennis player named Dylan Alcott. He's in a wheelchair and he's just won what's called the Golden Slam tennis. He won the Australian Open, the Spanish Open, Wimbledon and the US Open in the same year as the Olympics and won an Olympic gold medal at the Special Olympics. He's on TV all the time getting the sponsorship deals after sponsorship deals, and everyone is praising him from politicians, the Prime Minister to celebrities and everyday Australians. I mean, yeah, good on him. I just think he's a bit of a tosser. I just think he's a bit of a wanker. And I feel that everyone else is too afraid to say it. Ooh, can't can't say that, Cordy. Oh no, 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 no. He's in a wheelchair. He's a hero. He won tennis tournaments, yes. Yes, I, I can't I can't say that. Just because you're in a wheelchair doesn't mean that you aren't a wanker some of the time. A lot of people are on their tiptoes, and they're thinking the same thing that I'm thinking, but we aren't saying it because we're too afraid that society will judge us. But Dylan Alcott, you're just a bit of a tosser. Good tennis player, but yeah, you're a bit of a wanker. And it's the Black Panther theory all over again. You see, Black Panther was a good film. It was. I'm not denying that. But I feel I'm not allowed to say other Marvel films are way better than Black Panther. You see, Black Panther were nominated for Best Picture at the Academy Awards and Golden Globes. It won 90 awards and was nominated 226 times. But because of the significant roles in the film, Michael B. Jordan, Chadwick Boseman and other amazing African-American and Black actors and actresses, by me saying the film wasn't that great, I'm not saying the film was was as good as everyone else is saying. It looks like my I'm having an attack on those communities. Thor thought Ragnarok was more enjoyable than Black Panther in my eyes. Oh, but the costumes and designs and blah, de, de, blah, 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 blah. Look, get over yourselves. It was a good fucking movie, but it wasn't that great. Well, society wants you to think it is. And there was another film that just came out that everyone seems to love. And I was like, eh, that was all right, it was okay. It doesn't mean it was horrible, but it wasn't as good as it should have been. And that was the Schumacher documentary that came out on Netflix on the 15th of September. Now, if you're a diehard F1 fan, and I assume a lot of this audience is, you can't walk away super happy with the documentary. It showed Schumacher's start in karting to his debut at Spa, and detailing the first few years of his career really well. It did that. Up until that first Ferrari Championship, it was an amazing documentary. It sort of just teed it out. It was like, oh yeah, we got there. oh yeah, yeah, cool, 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 cool. Let's move on. But I think what's happened is we are getting spoiled again as fans of sport. I, I always refer to The Last Dance also our Netflix documentary on Michael Jordan and in particular the Chicago Bulls of the 98 season and how amazing that run was. The documentary was amazing because it really did reveal a lot of stuff we didn't know. See we'd heard rumours about MJ being a bit of an asshole and a jerk, but now not only did we get to see those things, we got to hear his side of it, why he was the way he was. Schumacher was a bit of a dick as well, we all, we've all known this from countless people recounting stories, telling us tales that Schumacher was an asshole in the paddock. But this documentary feels more like a fluff piece, you know, rather than a deep dive. And don't get me wrong, I did enjoy it, I really did. I was never a big Schumacher fan back in the day when he was dominating, but I still enjoyed the film. I still respected the man. I just feel like it was a missed opportunity. He's arguably the greatest driver the sport has seen along with Hamilton and possibly Senna. Why are we settling to give him a subpar documentary then? In a world where MJ got the last dance, why not do a Schumacher doco? spread it across four or five parts and show us from the start of his career to the accident now i understand you want to keep things private but he is a very public figure and the consequences for being a public figure and in the spotlight all the time is that the public get to know what's going on now now before you come at me with pitchforks and torches i'm not saying show him in the state of 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 what he is at the moment or anything like that but it's a major point in his life that needs to be shared in a documentary You know, something in passing, like Schumacher took the wife and kids away for a ski weekend. It didn't go too well. I'm not gonna go into it. I'm not gonna make light of it because it is horrific. I hope he he can recover one day. It would have been a masterpiece had this documentary been broken down. Part one, carting through to the first race, his debut in Formula One. Part two, the first championship and the death of Senna and so on and so forth. Because we are what, 11 years removed from the Senate documentary that came out? I think it was 11 years ago, 2010, I reckon. And I'm not sure that this was better than that. Look again, I'm not saying it was a bad documentary, the Schumacher documentary. It could have been a lot, 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 lot better. And we all know that. When Hamilton gets his doco at the end of his career, I want it to go down over 10 parts Going in depth, pointing out the times he banged that pussycat doll, Nicole's uh... The time he was a fuckwit to this person and that person, and so on and so forth. And yes, mention the championships. What made The Last Dance incredible was because we got that behind the scenes look. We didn't get that with remark. This documentary felt like a goodbye to Michael. It felt like he had died and we were paying our respects to him. I really wanted to dive deep into this, but I mean, there were some good moments. You know, what about what about Mick? Oh my gosh, Mick Schumacher, I love you, kid. When he says, I think Dad and me, we, we would understand each other now in a different way now. Simply because we speak a similar language, the language of motorsport. And that we would have so much more to talk about that's where my head is most of the time thinking of how cool that would be i would give up everything just for that oh, ah, that was heartbreaking that really was that one got to me but this shoe market documentary is like dylan Olcott and black panther Something a lot of people actually like and walk away and go, yes, this was, this was the greatest. I'm, I'm reading the reviews on IMDB. I think it's sitting at a 7.9 or eight at the time of doing this. Oh my God, it was the goat of documentaries. It was the greatest documentary for the greatest driver. Incredible. Now, there are some that, that seem to be logical thinkers out there that have done reviews, but not most, most are praising it as remarkable. If you sit back and you really think about it, are you only liking it because you think you should? Have you been guilted? Because oh, it's about it's about Michael Schumacher. No. The documentary is about Michael Schumacher, yes, but but the documentary needs to honor the man. And it, and it no, it was shit. Did you actually think it was the greatest thing you've ever seen? No. So I've gotta say. I don't think I am just being a grumpy old man now. I'm sitting back and I said, Netflix, you need to do better. Drive to Survive is is better than that documentary was. And now, your stat of the week. I'm a stat man, Formula One stat man. Cody's cool, a stat man, yeah. Stats. Uh, I'm a stat man. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Stat time, yeah. Ooh, so much stats, so many stats, I don't know if this intro is even long enough, there's that many stats, uh, stats, 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 yeah, Ooh, so many stats, uh, I'm a stat man, Ooh, I am a step man, Ooh, got a couple of bangers, couple of little, little nuggets of gold ready for you today, Hamilton, that was his first DNF in 63 races. I mean, we're gonna talk about that? That was pretty remarkable. When we talk about reliability, how's that for one of them? Not bad. But let's I wanna put the focus back on McLaren right now. In the first race weekend after Zach Brown joined McLaren. Fernando Alonso, he qualified P13, didn't finish the race. Stoffel Van Dorn qualified P18, finished P13. Two laps behind the leader and the last of those running. Fair to say. Zach Brown. He's uh, done a lot for that team right now. Well done to him, well done to McLaren. How's that for your stat of the week? He's a stat, man! Ooh, that was a good stat. Yeah, such a good stat. Such a, such a good stat. You know it was. He's a stat, man! Hey, let's go on with the show. Cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Hey, let's do it. Drivers ranking. That's it. Time to talk some some driver power rankings after what a weekend of racing that was. Drivers ranking. If you don't know what we do with the driver power rankings, we go through the list of all the drivers. Rank them 20 down to one. And how they're not... It's really on their current form. Got nothing to do with the car behind them. It's how they're driving themselves. Where are they on the list? How do they rank against everyone else? Let's start with number 20. You know who it is. I'm not even going to pretend. Akita, give him a squeeze, Mazepin. He's crap. He's crap. I mean, but if we look at the last few races, we had a uh, last few races that were run. What was it? Hamilton won the British GP. Max won the Dutch GP. Ricardo with some Italian heritage, won the Italian GP. What race do we have next? Sochi? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. But no, Mazepin, you're crap, you're getting worse. I don't understand what the hell is going on. I can't believe you're still here. If I haven't intervened and, and stepped in and just said, "Nah, get out of the sport, Nah, daddy's got cash, I'm good to go. Uh, I, I'm lost for words. And that's rare because I taught non-stop. Number 19, Yuki Tsunoda. I'm getting very, very disappointed. I, I mean, I'm starting to think Bahrain was a fluke and that was it. And yet, AlphaTauri committed again for another season. When you look at the pool of talent that F2 have, you know, like Alpha Romeo actually spoiled for choice with that Nazi seat. There are so many drivers that could come up. So many. They're sticking with Sonoda. I don't get it, especially after his behaviour on the weekend with Robert Kubica. Kubica, um, Kubica, cubic, cubic, Kubica, Kubica, kaka, When he made him spin around, and then just the tirade of naughty, naughty profanities. Um, Not ideal. Number 18, Mick Schumacher. Oh, my heart. Still broken from that docker. Still broken. I mean, I feel for the guy. He just wants to talk motorsport with his dad. A lot of people have had that opportunity and he hasn't. And it kind of sucks. I feel for him. But your driving's not that much better either. I understand you're at the back of the grid in the shitty car. I try not to judge this based on the car you have. But still, you're outperforming your teammate by a long way. But it's sort of hard to judge because you haven't had those opportunities where, you've, where you have need to challenge. Where you need to look for overtakes. There's been a couple where you've need to defend. And there's been a couple there as well. But number 17, Kimi Räikkönen and Robert Kubica. I'm going to stick you both in at number 17. Look, again, not really much to perform. Kimi's still on sabbatical with the COVID recovery. He'll be back for Sochi and Robert Kubica, the pole. I mean, not much to really talk about with him. Very, very quiet. I think he did all right in uh, the Dutch GP, but very, very quiet in um, the Italian GP there. Not really much to go on. So that's why he's at the back of the grid. Number 16, Nicholas Latifi. I actually am quite liking what's happening, and I'm so happy he's staying at Williams. Um, If it's only so we get a, a real look at, you know how he's going to perform so it's going to be a real real test now with um latifi there because we're going to have alex Albon back in a williams back in formula one but in a williams next year so it's going to be good for alex albon it's going to be good for latifi we really actually get to a benchmark as to you know whether or not they're good because when you got Latifi, when you get two rookie drivers like right now we've got schumacher and mazabin in the same car both rookies never seen them in any other car we're just basing it off that so I'm, I'm actually quite excited to see it and I've been pretty happy with how he's driving lately. Not bad at all. Number 15, Lance Stroll. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna play it one more time. I'm gonna play the audio one more time. Lance, you just need to press the okay button, okay button. I pressed it. You're pressing the pick confirm button. The pick confirm button is the okay button, Brad. It is the same button, Brad, idiot. Stroll's at 15, he's, he's he's starting to lose it. I mean, I think next year, I've got a really good feeling about Aston Martin for 2022. But this year, I just don't like what I'm seeing from you. Um, and you're only one spot now behind your teammate. Number 14, Sebastian Vettel. Look, a couple of podiums or one and a half podiums and now you're sitting back in 14 on the power rankings. You haven't been great lately. You're just going through the motions, sort of not really impacting everything. You had a few shunts in the italian gp forced off track a couple of times getting into a bit of a nitty-gritty thing with ock on there and i i mean you kept your cool kept your composure but still i'm expecting you guys in the aston martin you're, you're meant to be that racing point you were challenging third at the start uh, last year now you're down there you know having fun with the williams the Alpha Romeos and the well, I can't even say Williams because they're now pushing back. You got one of them playing in the top ten all the time. So Aston Martin, take a good, long, hard look at yourself in the mirror. Number thirteen, Esteban, Ocon. Oh look. Race win was a while ago. Now Hungarian GP a while ago. What have you done for me lately? You know, nothing. A couple of top tens, not really impressing me much. Shania Twain. That don't impress me much. Number twelve, racing car Jesus Tony G Antonio Giovinazzi. Hey, the reason I've got him this high, he's qualified quite well. He's starting to look good on a Saturday, Sunday, not so much. But on a Saturday, he's now becoming the Mister Saturday. I mean, George Russell, look out for that title. Also, Giovinazzi, you are a gorgeous, gorgeous man. You're getting a few points up the power rankings just based on that alone. Number 11, Fernando Alonso. Fernando number 11. I I still think there's a lot of life left in the man. I I think he made... I think it was actually, in the end, a good decision to come back to Formula 1. I don't know if I agree with the time, but I'm really happy he has come back because he's still proving that he can still do some of the stuff. I think that car is actually rubbish. I think the Alpine is a really horrible, horrible car. I just think if anyone else was driving it, I mean, we're seeing what's happening with Ocon. I don't think Ocon's doing that well in the Alpine either. But, you know, if they can get their stuff together sorted next year, Alonso might be up there, he might be challenging. I'm happy with him sitting in at number 11. Number 10, Carlos signs that. Smooth operator. Smooth operator. Carlos signs so smooth. I like what he's doing. I mean, but he hasn't ate again. He's now in that second, when we say the best of the rest, I still think there's a few tiers. So it is Mercedes, Red Bull at the top, Ferrari, McLaren is that fight for third, right? I think Carlos Sainz is the worst of that lot. I think he is. At first, I was like, he's adapted the quickest out of all the new drivers in a new car. You know, Perez took a while, but Carlos Sainz was there right away. Danny Rick took forever. Carlos Sainz, he looked good, but now he's not improving on that. He's starting to have silly error after silly error. Big crash in uh, FP2, um, where you shouldn't be crashing at all because you've already qualified for the sprint. You should just be going through the motions, you know. But he lost it. He crashed. That's why I'm sitting... In, he's. I think he's lucky to be 10, to be perfectly honest with you. Number nine, Sergio Perez. Ugh. Look, you had a good Monza. Don't get me wrong, you had a good Monza did get out qualified by the McLarens, but it is a Mercedes dominant circuit. They've got the engine uh, advantage there. But prior to that, I mean, what happened in the Dutch GP? I think you were out Q one. Then you had to fight your way up the grid, and you couldn't do it because the circuit didn't really allow for it. Spa, you didn't qualify great at Spa either in the wet. You know, there's starting to be a few races now back to back. Perez, it's, I think they. It's like without it was a no-brainer for Red Bull to sign him at the start of the year or end of last year because he was the second most consistent driver in the field last year. He really was. Red Bull had a track record of getting Albon, Gasly, like these two drivers that have these ups and downs and they're good one week, they're bad for three or four in a row. Perez was just that constant and and what Red Bull wanted, they wanted that Valtteri Bottas on their team. They wanted that constant number two, someone that's always there. But, Maybe it is the car. Yes, Perez has a race win to his name this year. A couple of podiums. I don't even know if he has a couple of podiums. He's got one or two. Oh, he might have two. He might literally have a couple of podiums. But I think they... Ma- Did they jump the gun on that uh, contract extension for next year? Look, the, the benefits are that, one, it's a new car. Maybe they can design it so that, you know, it's, more, it's, it's somewhat favourable to Perez as well. His styling uh driver style but it it's not good like he hasn't been great i wouldn't be hundred percent behind that decision to extend that contract again i understand you don't want to just stick a young driver in there it's going to stuff up after stuff up but at the same time you know is he is he worth it you're taking away a very good seat from someone is he worth it will he be that support that verstappen needs Maybe Verstappen doesn't need support. He's doing very well at the moment anyway. Number eight, Pierre Gasly. Now, look, Monster wasn't great. He went out in the uh in the sprint on the opening lap. So, I don't think it was really his fault. He qualified P6. He loves that position. Um, so I'm only really judging him on the qualification on the qualification, on the qualifying. Oh my lord. Race qualification. There you go. It works. Um It didn't have a great. Dutch GP, But I still think he's still got that pace. I still think he's really consistent. He's dragging that team forward while sonota cocks around at the back of the grid. Um, unfortunately, he had to re- uh, retire from the race. But, you know, qualifying was great. He's looking all right. I think Sochi, he'll be one of those weekends where he's 6th, 7th again. And that'll be a good result. If he gets a 7th in Sochi, I think that's excellent. Um, number six, Danny Rick. Woo, Wee! Daddy Avocado. Darren, what did you do in your summer break? Because you've come back. Don't call it a comeback, he's been here for years. Oh, he bounced back nicely. Spa, he he qualified, I think he was P4. Qualified fourth. I know Lando went out, but he still qualified fourth in the wet. Part of driving in the wet is keeping the car on the track, right? He did that, qualified P4. Dutch GP... I mean, he looked okay. Still out-qualified the teammate, looked alright, looked pretty solid, and then gets out-qualified by the teammate by, what is it, 6'100", six 6'1000", six I don't know, something stupid. He, he misses out on P3 and qualifies P5 by, by a bee's dick length, you know, that's what it was. What's he do? Head down, focus, determination, speed, violence, momentum, I loved it. Well done in the sprint, well done in the race, well deserved. That's why you're up at number six. Number five, Charles Leclerc. Look, I think he's, I think, again, I think that Ferrari's trash. Is it better than last year? Yes, because last year it was attractive going around. But this year, it's still horrendous. I, I think, honestly, I think he's outperforming the car. I, th- I still think he's such a solid driver. I understand he's probably gonna get a contract extension in the next few days as well. Um, I don't think that's a good move for him. But, you know, securing the future, you can't really can't really give him any crap for that. Um, that's why I've got him at number five. I'm actually quite happy with how he's going at the moment. I think he'll have a good Sochi. Oh, I think he'll have a great Sochi. No, no, Verstappen up the front of the grid. He'll be down the back of the grid, Verstappen. He's going to get the power unit change. We know that. All right. I think the clear will be, he'll have a good Sochi. I think he will. How dare you challenge me on that? Number four, Valtteri Bottas. Bot, Look, he did nothing wrong at Monza. You know, he was what? He got on the podium at the Dutch GP. Um, he struggled, of course, in the wet and Spa because it was there was a drizzle. I mean, it was ble- basically bucketing down. But Monza, he he was really really solid. Like he, you know, nothing wrong. Qualified fastest. You know, won the sprint. Went from back of the grid up to third. Well, I mean, Borderline should have been driver of the day. He really should have been. He was definitely driver of the weekend, but close to getting driver of the day. Danny Rigg stole it from him. Um, and he's going to Sochi. And he loves Sochi. I mean, he loves to just sit back with a Heineken and say traditions. He loves to do that. We've seen the meme. That's why I've got him in at number four. Number three is Sir Lewis Hamilton. Look, he had a a solid weekend too. He had a solid outing. There was nothing too wrong with it. Um, He's been fairly consistent. I mean, that was his first DNF in 63 races, starts. And it wasn't his fault that the DNF happened. Um, But, you know, putting him in at number three, I think he will uh, probably win Sochi. I mean, I'd love it to be bodice, but I just don't think... They're going to allow that at Mercedes. I think it's going to be, uh, hey, Valtteri, it's uh, Storto. Please move aside for Hamilton. Thank you. That's what will happen. Number two, Lando Norris. I've got him back up there. He slipped. He slipped a little. He's recovered nicely. I think Monza was a great, great track. A Good learning experience for him. P2, highest ever podium. Uh, for the man and it won't be won't be for long he'll, he'll get a few race wins because that car had the pace um, he, he probably would have beat Danny maybe if they let him go if they let him actually race um, but great work actually listening to Team Waters not doing a Seb Vettel Multi 21 Seb Multi 21 and he actually hung back Listen, listened to the race engineer and said you know what you're right I'm going to let Danny do this I'm going to let him get the Victory Royale I'm going to hold up the trap, uh, the pack here I'm gonna hold everyone back. I'm gonna make sure we get this one too. Yeah, team, team. Get the team first. I loved it. I love the celebration too at the end. Oh. And number one, if you've done it, if you've done the maths in your head, you know who number one is. It's Maxi Boy, Max Verstappen. Now, yes, I probably should have punished him for what happened, but he won the Dutch GP. He won it. He won this. He won in Spa too. You know, he's now leading the championship. We've got Sochi coming up. He's going to get a 3 grid place penalty for it. uh, For the incident with Hamilton. Do I agree with that? Nah, I think that's stupid. Uh, Racing incident. Let him go. Let the boys go. And Damon Hill, if you want to fight me on it, I'll smack you across the face. I will do it. You did not even scare me slightly. Saying he did it on purpose? Are you a moron? God, you're stupid. Absolutely ridiculous comment. Uh, But Max Verstappen, I'm going to have him at one. Uh, I... uh, you know what? Probably should have had Norris at one. But I've written it out. And I've recorded it. I come back. You know what? Nah, no, they're tied for first. Lando Norris and Max Verstappen tied for first in the power ranking first. Oh my god, controversy. Controversy. The people over in the UK don't understand me. Hey, but that is your driver power ranking. Drivers ranking. Oh, what do you guys think? Let me know over the socials. I'm parking in my fairway, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I'm sure I've got them wrong. Let me know. Drivers. Ranking. Let me know because I do need to know. I do need to know when I've made mistakes. It doesn't happen really because I am perfect in every way. But if you head over to the socials, I'll make sure I'm listening. Slide into those DMs like you're Gasly. going to collect some more sponsor signs off the side of the road. And I'll... Uh, I'll sit back and I'll catch you. I'll make sure you don't hurt yourself. I'll be the barrier. I'll be your tire wall. I'll just wrap my arms around you and hold you tight. Well, episode seventy-two done and dusted. That's uh, that's it. That's it. Thank you so much for coming on this journey. Make sure you subscribe and follow on your podcast listening device. There also, if you want to support the show any way you can can do so through the Patreon uh, at uh, Parking My Firmo there on there. Link will be in the description below. Sign up, be a part of the show. Know that any funds donated to the show will go directly back into it to support and grow this platform. But guys, we've got another, we've got another whole week. Let me know what you guys think of that shoemaker documentary. I, I don't know. I'm not a fan. You heard me earlier. It was good, but it wasn't great. Could have been a lot better. But as always, my lovelies, my little muffins,